Are we there yet? These are the words that every parent dreads on a road trip. That's because once kids start to ask that question, are we there yet? Problems are usually not that far behind. But help is at hand. A maths expert has calculated the exact formula, he claims, for predicting the chances, timing and timing of children throwing a tantrum in the backseat of a car during a long journey. So according to Dr. James Hind from Nottingham Trent University, the formula parents can use to, tr- to crack the probability of their offspring's backseat breakdown is this. And this is like back at school, isn't it? T equals 70 plus 0.5E plus 15F minus 10S. An equation, Claire. <laughs> that was a long time ago, Claire. <laughs> so T. T is the time a child will take to throw a tantrum. Usually 70 minutes on average. Evelyn's taking notes. Uh, it's reduced every, by every minute a child is entertained. 0.5e. And food will enable parents to delay the tantrum by 15 minutes. 15f. However, if they have siblings, s, in the car, that will reduce the time it takes before a tantrum by 10 minutes. So you can calculate that for your own situation. But what causes these tantrums? Well, the research found that the main cause is boredom. Followed by hunger, followed by the journey being too long. Never. Kids are never like that, Claire. But maybe this is not just true for kids on a road trip. I think in our Christian lives, we too can be tempted to throw a few tantrums, to get angry, to give out to God. Uh, Maybe even to give up on the journey altogether. And sometimes it's also because of boredom. Or hunger for something different. Or with the frustration of how long the journey is taking. So the writer of Hebrews, he was concerned about this with, with his first readers. He knew that some of them were really struggling in the journey of their Christian lives. Some of them had even been tempted to give up and turn back to the Judaism that they'd come from. So in this next section, he paused his teaching about Jesus being our great high priest to challenge them to get back, to get back on track in their journey of faith. And in particular, he challenged them to do this. By eating better food. So we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 to chapter 3, to chapter 6, verse 3, and Tony is going to read for us. Tony, thank you. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. 
In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. Thank you very much, Tony. This section starts with the words, we have much to say about this. The writer in this letter had already taught some amazing things about Jesus to show how he is better. Better than angels. Better than Moses. Better than Joshua. Better than the Jewish high priests. That he is the destroyer of the devil. He is the conqueror of death. He is the one who can offer us salvation and freedom and rest. But amazingly, the writer of Hebrews had so much more to say about Jesus. So much to say to show how Jesus is superior to all who came before him and all who would seek to replace him. To show us that Jesus is all that we need. And I think it's important to recognise this. Because sometimes we can get a little bit bored with Christianity. Maybe we've been to church for years. Some of us for nearly five decades. Maybe even longer. We've read a lot of the Bible. Maybe from cover to cover. We've listened to lots of teaching. And everything can feel so familiar. And as the saying goes, familiarity breeds contempt. We get bored because it seems like there's nothing new to learn. We know it all. But the writer of Hebrews knew that this wasn't the case. There was so much more to learn. In this case, the writer was talking about the high priesthood of Jesus. He'll go into great depth from chapter 7 onwards. But it's also a general truth. If we ever get bored because we're with reading the Bible, because we think we know it all, then we really are deluding ourselves. There's always so much more to understand. There's always more depth, more meaning, more treasures to enjoy. That's because God is so amazing. In the middle of his letter to the Romans, where Paul explained the glory of the gospel, he just broke out in a declaration of praise. This is what he said. Romans chapter 11. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. 
The wisdom and knowledge of God is so deep that we'll never get to the bottom of it. His judgments are so incredible that we'll never truly work them all out. His paths are so wonderful that we'll never get to the end of them. This is one of the ways I try and get my head around the concept of eternity in heaven. And I know that some people will just love that idea. They just get really excited about it. But other people, they get really freaked out about that idea. To them, it, so, it sounds like a little bit like that movie Groundhog Day. Anybody seen that movie? It just goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And it sounds incredibly boring, surely. Surely we're going to get frustrated with that. That's not the case. Some people think that, getting, that being married to the same person for years is boring. Remember our, our girls asked that question a little while ago. You've been married for so long. Not 60 years, Claire. Not us. Yeah. But if you really love someone, of course, then they're never boring. Because there's always something more to understand, more to grow in, more to enjoy. A lifetime is not long enough to spend with them. And if that is true with another human being, how much more is it true with our infinite God? He is so amazing that eternity will always be a wonderful journey of discovery. Always something more to learn. Paul's prayer for the Ephesians was this. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Christ's love surpasses knowledge. It blows our minds. It's more wonderful than we can ever comprehend. So when you think you've started to understand it, how wide and long and high and deep Christ's love is, we've really only started to grasp the dimensions of his love. We've only taken... One little step on that journey of discovery. We've only been to the foothills of the mountain range of his love. We've only dipped our toe in the ocean of his love. With Christ, there's always so much more to come. So much more to grow in. So much more to learn. So much more to experience. And so as we started, as we learned at the start of this year, our calling is always to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. This is the first step in that journey. If you've been walking on that journey all your life, then we're still called to grow because there's so much more to grow into and experience and enjoy. 
But if that's the case, why do we get bored? Why do we sometimes get so familiar, so unaffected by the person and work of Jesus that we can come to church and kind of sit here and our mind just maybe wanders and we go out the door and it hasn't touched our hearts? Well, maybe it's because we're like the initial readers of this letter. The writer had so much more to say, but listen, look what he says in verse 11. It's hard to explain because you're so slow to learn. Now, this wasn't a criticism of their intelligence or their ability. Rather, it was a challenge to their desire, to their eagerness. This word translated slow here is also translated in in Hebrews 6 and 12 as meaning lazy. So the writer is saying that they'd been negligent. They'd been indifferent. They'd been lazy about their learning. The reason why he found it so difficult to explain to them about how amazing Jesus is was because they hadn't dedicated themselves to growing in their Christian lives as they should have. It was as if they had got stuck in their Christian lives. They'd come so far and stopped. And so he says in verse 12, by this time, you ought to be teachers. Now, I don't think he's meaning that every Christian should stand up front of church and preach. Or that every Christian should be leading a ministry. We've all been given different gifts and different roles in, in, in the church. This is what Paul says in about the body of Christ. God has arranged the parts in the body just as he wanted them to be. So we all have different roles and different callings. So it's not saying that everybody should be a teacher. But God does want all of us who have trusted in Jesus to pass on our knowledge about Jesus to others. He wants all of us to be involved in discipleship, in making disciples. This is Jesus' call in our lives. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, you and I will never graduate from our discipleship. We need to keep on learning more about the Lord right throughout our lives. We always need that humility to be willing to learn and learn from others. I'm so grateful for all the people that speak into my life regularly. Uh, people in person or in books or in podcasts. And so I can learn. But we're not designed to be passive in our Christian lives. Just going to sit there and soak it all in and stop with that. As we learn more about the Lord, we're called to be increasingly involved in passing that on to others. This is what Paul taught Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Did you hear that? The things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified 
to teach others. That's what it means to be a disciple according to the Bible. It's about always growing in our understanding and our relationship with Christ and seeking to help others to do the same. Listening carefully to God as he teaches us these amazing truths and then passing it on to others so that they can pass it on to others. So that they can pass it on to others. This is why if you've been around church for a while you've heard maybe us speaking about our Discipleship Essentials course that we're just piloting over the last year or so. All of us who are on that course, we are learning so that we can grow in a relationship with Christ, but also so we can learn how to pass that on to others, who can also learn and then pass it on to others. But there was a problem with the first readers of this letter. Instead of being able to teach others, the writer said, verse 12, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word. All over again. They'd been Christians for some time. But because of laziness, they hadn't been growing. They hadn't been developing as they should have. And so they needed somebody else to teach them the basic truths of the Bible. The ABCs of their faith. Or as he put it in, in the rest of verse 12. You need milk. Not solid food. Now, there's nothing wrong with milk. Milk is really good for babies. In fact, it's essential for healthy growth and development. But when we start to grow up, we need something more than that. In order to continue to develop, we need solid food. Only that solid food will provide for our growing bodies and continue to nourish us as we grow. And as it's true for our physical bodies, it's also true for our spiritual life. So verse 13, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Now what the writer means about that phrase, teaching about righteousness, is is debated by some people. Some people think it's just deeper theological instruction. You need to get into the classroom, you need to learn more. But it seems that it has more of a practical aspect to that. That's because the writer goes on to say in verse 14, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Maturity is linked to how we are living. Little babies, babies have little discernment, don't they? They put anything in their mouths. Fingers, toes, I'm sure some of you would love to be able to do that if you're flexible enough. They would put toys in their mouth, they put anything they can get their hands on in their mouth. Now hopefully most of us have grown up to learn that that's not a good thing to do. There are some things that are good to eat and there are some things not, not good to eat. So spiritual maturity in the same sense is linked to our discernment. It's ability to distinguish between good and evil. To be able to make good decisions in our lives. To be able to stand in the face of temptation. To count the cost of discipleship. 
to understand the need for and the value of persevering in our faith. So solid food is the truth of God's word that enables us to do that. We need to go deeper in our understanding of God's word so that we can see the true value of Christ and understand that following him is worth it. No matter what it costs us. No matter what challenges or suffering we have to endure, following Jesus is always worth it. It's to be able to constantly live out Jesus' call in our lives. When he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So growth is not an intellectual exercise. It's not just about knowing stuff just so we can know stuff. It's about growing in our understanding so that we can grow in our active obedience. In our practical wisdom. In our lived out dependence on and trust in Jesus. It's about studying God's word so that we can learn how to live with him and for him. So because this was so important, the writer of Hebrews was not about to leave those believers in the shallows of their faith. Instead, he was committed to doing what he could to help them to grow, to go deeper. So he said, verse 1 of chapter 6, Therefore, let us leave the elementary truth teachings about Christ. Now again, there's a bit of a debate about what the writer calls here the elementary teachings about Christ. I think the easiest way or the simplest way to think about it is see it as three pairs. So verse 1, there is repentance from acts that lead to death and a faith in God. So that's the, they are the initial steps of commitment to Christ. Repenting of our faith, turning away, sorry, repenting from our sin, turning away from living our life our own way. And putting our faith in Jesus as the one who died on the cross for us and to pay for our sins. That's the start. And then there are two ways in which Christians initially relate to the Christian community. Instructions about baptisms and laying on of hands. So baptism is the first step of our expression of our faith in Jesus. And then laying on of hands is probably maybe a, 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 an indication of our acceptance into the community of faith or even separating us from ministry. And then thirdly, there's the basic truth about the future destiny of all those who have trusted in Jesus as well as those who haven't. The resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Now some people have even commented on the fact that these truths, six truths, were very similar to truths within Judaism. So, the Jews believed in repentance and faith and in baptism and laying on of hands and resurrection and judgment. So maybe these Christians were willing to kind of stick with these basic truths because it wouldn't kind of incur the wrath of the Jewish neighbours. It wouldn't get the criticism and the persecution of those who were Jews but not believers in Jesus. So maybe they were trying to keep, the, keep to the shallows of their faith because it seemed safer, less risky. 
But the writer of, of this letter urges his readers not to stay there. He said, let us go on to maturity. Yes, those elementary teachings are crucially important. They are foundational truths. And we need a good foundation if we're going to build on it. But we're not supposed to stop with the foundation, are we? If we dig a foundation for a house and just stop there, it's not much of a house. Foundations are meant to be built on. Similarly, learning our ABCs, if you remember that far back, that's really important, isn't it? But we're not just supposed to stop there. A, B, C, D, E. We're supposed to use what we've learned so we can start to read words and letters and, and books. So the writer was not content with his readers to stop where they were. Even though he knew it would be challenging for them, and there are some challenging uh, things to, to work through in this letter, he kept on writing. And I'm really glad that he did because there's some amazing truths in this letter for us to, to grasp with, to grasp and to, to get to grips with. So we need to learn from this as well in our lives. First of all, it reminds us about how important it is to have a good foundation. If you're here today and you haven't yet repented of your sin, turned away from living your life your own way, and you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus as the one who died on the cross to pay for your sins. And please don't wait any longer. Today, you can accept Jesus as the, the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. And then you can know that you have that solid foundation for the rest of your life. You have that security that freedom, that joy. But if you're among those of us who have that solid foundation, you have put your trust in Jesus, and God doesn't want you to stop there. God is so much more for us. So He wants us to go deeper, to dig wholeheartedly into the Bible, to put in the work to get to grips with the riches of who Christ is and what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do for us. But as we do this, we need to always remember that we can't do this on our own. The writer was committed to teaching, teaching more about Jesus, but he said in verse 3, Verse 2, sorry. And God permitting, verse 3 it is, God permitting we will do so. He was aware that this deeper understanding required more than just his effort or his reader's effort. It needed God's help. Folks, we can't do this on our own. It's not just about trying harder, pulling up our socks, putting in the effort. We need help. But the great news is that we've been given that help. So what Paul says, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Growth is a spiritual exercise. 
If we are to grow, go on to maturity, we need to depend on the Holy Spirit to live within us, to open up our eyes, to renew our minds, to transform our behaviour, to empower us to live for Christ. So, you know what this means? This means that growth is not just for the clever among us. It's not just for the more educated among us. It's not just for those who think we, we know a little bit. God wants to reveal his truth to all of us. If we're willing, if we're committed to learn. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. He said in a prayer to his father. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned. The religious experts of the day did not understand who Jesus was. But you revealed them to little children. The normal everyday people. God revealed this truth to them. And he wants to reveal his truth to us. Whatever our education level, whatever qualifications we have, we, each one of us, can get our Bibles and ask God to open up our hearts and minds to his truth. And we can read it for ourselves and we can learn and we can grow. What an amazing gift God has given us. So, are we there yet? No. No, we are near. But let's not give up on our Christian journey. Yes, at times that journey can feel long and challenging. But we don't need to be bored because there's so much more for us to discover. And we mustn't be lazy or negligent because we need to feed our souls with the solid food of God's Word. And so we need to go beyond the shallows, go deeper, dive into the Scriptures and grow in our knowledge of Christ in our relationship with Christ, in our commitment to Christ. Because Jesus really is all that we need.